The scripture today is found in John 15, verses 1 through 17. Hear the word of our Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that He will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to be my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and made known to you and pointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Well, it's a great privilege to be able to be here this morning. I don't usually do this. I'm usually long gone after the women's conference, but the elders and uh, pastors of this church have asked me if I would stay. And it was quite exciting to hear that you as a church are going through the book of uh, Galatians because it's uh, one of my favorite verses. In fact, one of my life verses is in chapter 2 that you will be studying next week with Pastor Rod. But I love this verse so much because it expresses the reality of the Christian life. I have been crucified with Christ, yet I no longer live, and yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith, by trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Pastor Rod is going to teach that next week. But I find uh, that it is a great beginning to a picture that I want to paint for you this week. God always uh, teaches truth first in pictures. And Jesus used this picture. And then Paul gives the bedrock foundational principle. But I'm a child, as probably many of you are. And if I can see it in a picture, I understand it and how true this is. 
that we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And that life we live, we live by trusting him. In John chapter 15, it says, I am the true vine. He'd been using this word true a lot. He said, I am the true light, and I am the true shepherd, and I am the true bread from heaven. I am the true one, which implies there might have been a little wild one around that wasn't the true vine. Let me tell you a true story. It was in 1960 excuse me, 1860 in Europe, that the vineyards of Europe were almost going to be destroyed by a tiny little aphid called phylloxera. It's a deadly aphid for anyone that grows grapes because it, it is, it is a, a sap sucker. It gets in at the roots and it draws out of the roots the, nurtur- uh, the nur- nutrients, the nutrients that would feed uh, the, the vine stem and into the branches. And it would often feed also off of the leaves so that anywhere phylloxia had gone, in the roots of the leaves, there was no hope of any fruit. Two-thirds of the vineyards of Europe, especially in France, had already been destroyed. What could they do? It, It drove through the vineyards so fast. It was unexpected. But there was in the United States of America a, a root stem or a, a root stalk that was resistant to phylloxera. And so, I don't know if the French liked the idea, but they liked their wine better than anything else. And so they had thousands of vine cuttings sent from America. And they would plant this root stalk in the ground, find those branches, that were out there in those vineyards that had not yet been attacked by the aphid, and they would cut those branches and they would graft them in to the rootstock that had been sent from the United States of America. And within a season, the life of the branch grew into the vine, and the vine grew into the branch. Now, I, did, I, I learned that on History Channel many years ago. Amazing what you hear. And as I was ironing away, watching uh, this, this story, I thought, how amazing. It's just like what has happened to us in Christ. For we were born into and on the family tree of Adam. As in Adam, all die, all are destroyed. And it is true, as we each have have uh, come into this world and birthed others into this world, it seems like they, they sin and nobody teaches them to sin. It's just there. The aphid of sin has attacked from the roots up. But God had a plan that the true vine would come from heaven, the sin-resistant vine, and would be planted in this earth. And as Jesus said, truly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has life that is eternal and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death, the family tree of Adam, into the family tree or the vine of Christ. Paul will talk about this. He will talk about the grafting that must take place. 
where the branches of the old vine must be grafted in to Christ himself. I guess those little branches in France could say, well, you know, the old me is dead. (laughs) It's crucified. I no longer live. And yet I do live. Because another life lives in me. That life is actually from the United States. <laughs> but that life that lives in me, I now live, and I, I, I trust it. Because through it comes life, through it comes fruit, through it comes everything I need. So you understand, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And when we come to this chapter of John 15, we see that, that, that this is something not of minor importance. You know, you're going to talk about Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.21 is amazing. In the Amplified it says, Do not treat this gift of minor, as minor importance and thus defeat its very purpose. The vine is not of minor importance to the, vine, to the branch, It's everything to the branch, is it not? And yet, in the way we live as Christians, I think often what we live is branch life. We are branches wanting to live off of our own life instead of drawing from that great life of the vine that is in us. We choose not to live by faith, not to live by dependency, but to live by our own gutsy energy (laughs) until the energy is gone and we're forced to the Lord. Now, it's very interesting because in the vineyards of the Holy Land, it it itself told a metaphor that these people understood as Jesus spoke and said, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Actually, it also is translated in my margin as he lifts up. And I checked it out, and it is true. Most often that word, takes away, is the word for lifting up. And we understand it if we know a little bit about the agriculture in the Holy Land at that time. You can even go to California. Some of the very oldest orchards, uh, not orchards, but uh, vineyards in, uh, in California have these old vines, and, and they grew just like the vines in Palestine. The, the vine grew up very stocky, and of course, the older it gets, the more stocky it gets, just like us. <laughs> and uh, the branches would grow out of this, this vine and would, would run along the ground. It would just be like a fountain coming up and going down. They weren't in those old days up on these tension uh, rods or ropes. They would just have this, this lovely sweeping down uh, on the field. And so in, in a vineyard, you would have branches everywhere. And, of course, the foxes and the boars and the deer would run through the vineyard and step on these branches, as well as the workmen. If you recall, in the Song of Solomon, it says, catch the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Well, why they spoiled them is that they would step all over the branches, and where they would bruise the, the branch, and, and it, would, it would sort of, I guess you could say, have a little panic attack. Because where there would be a break in the branch, you know what the branch would do? It would send down little sucker roots into the ground. It's as if it would try to feed itself. And where you had a branch that had sucker roots, 
what would happen is that the branch would start drawing its nourishment from, I call it the soil of its own self-sufficiency, and wouldn't draw from the vine. Well, we know that if you grow any plants, you need to regularly prune them off because wherever you would have suckers, there would either be no fruit on that branch or if there was fruit, it would be very small and very sour. So on a regular basis, the gardener had to come through the vineyard, had to lift up the branches, had to severely cut that branch off, throw it away, and force the rest of it to draw upon the vine. Now, I've seen that in my life, as you probably have yours. I remember when I went to the Philippines after I graduated from college. The Philippines was going to be different after I arrived. I was going to turn things upside down. I was going to be the greatest missionary they'd ever had. I put roots down into my perfect performance. And I came up barren. Came home barren. Then I got married, my late 20s. I put roots down into my husband. (laughs) That turned sour real quick. (laughs) Because the reality is that there is no person that you can feed off of to give you strength. Then I became a mother. I put down roots into my perfect parenting. I was going to be the most perfect parent. I'd been taking notes. I even had a file called Children. If you live long enough, you start collecting things. And uh, I, was, I was 29 when I had my first child, and, and I, 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 was, I was responsible. But I tell you what, God gave me three boys, and uh, that was the end of that. <laughs> As my mother uh, sent me a little plaque that I have at home that says, A boy is noise with dirt on it. <clears throat> and it was true. You see, in each of these situations, I put my roots down into the people in my life or the roots down into my performance or the roots down into what I thought I could do. I I was just like that little branch in the vineyard feeding off of myself. And if there was fruit, it was very small, it was sour, (laughs) it went sour, or there was no fruit at all. The Lord has had to, in my life, Lift me up out of myself. Prune me very, very severely. Force me back to himself. That I might not not focus on my fruit out here on the branch, but focus on my fellowship with him. When I came back from the Philippines, I I went to some meetings that were held by a man named Ian Thomas. And there I heard him say what perhaps was the most relieving, wonderful thing I've ever heard. He says, you can't live the Christian life, and God never said you could. But he can, and he always said he would. Isn't this what we just read? Verse 4, abide in me, and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. And you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, not you. You're just the branches. 
And he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, I love this word abide. It is actually translated in, in the, the passage we just read up there in, in the, uh, uh, probably the um, New uh, International, yeah, International Version. It, it, it means, to re- it says to remain, or some of your trans- translations will say to continue. If you remain in me. But I love the word abide. Because actually the word abide comes from the word abode. And in John 14, Jesus said, if you will, if you will obey what I, what I tell you to do, my Father and I will come and make our abode with you. We will make our home with you. The word abide is, is a home word. Jesus is saying here, I want to be at home in you. I want to be a part of every part of your life. And I want you to be at home in me. This word abide is used actually nine times in the text. Half of the times it is speaking of how we abide, the branch abides in the vine. But the other half are how the the vine abides in the branch. And that's what I want to talk to you about in the time we have left. How does Christ abide in me because you see it was the vine that came first not the branch sometimes we're all focused on what are we supposed to do but if i look at the example of the of the vine and the branch i say it's not about me it's a what what about he's going to do in me in fact i think the secret of the christian life for me has been this abide in his abiding Be at home in the fact that he remains in you, that he continues in you. No matter what happens out there on that little branch, the vine is not going to let go. And if you will focus not on your accomplishment, but on your fellowship with him, you have nothing to worry about. He will take care of it all. So how does he abide in us? Well, number one, this is internal abiding. And you will see that right through the passage, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And he cuts it severely and throws those branches into the fire and they are burned. He has to deal with us severely if we are feeding off of ourselves. Verse 4, abide in me, I in you. Unless it abides in the vine, unless you abide in me. Verse 5, abide in me. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And on it goes. You understand that this little word in is very significant and it is a new understanding for the disciples. In fact, in chapter 14, Jesus was beginning to tell them what was going to happen. He says, I'm going to go away, but I tell you what, I'm going to send you the helper. The helper, another helper. And in the Greek, it it, it actually means as the same as helper. Who will be with you forever. The world cannot see him, but you see him because he now abides with you. 
and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And in that day, you will know that you are in me and I am in you. He left no question about it that the person that has come to live in me is Jesus Christ himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. That's why I love to call him the indwelling Christ. I don't have to be afraid of this Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. And so as I read about Jesus, I know that this very Jesus is the one who is living in me. Some friends of my parents, Bob Evans, who was director of Greater European Missions, lost his son in a tragic motorbike accident. And I'll never forget the letter that he sent to all of his friends following that death and the poem that ended the letter. Nothing that happens can hurt me, whether I lose or win, though life may be changed on the surface. I do my main living within. A lot in this world is being changed on the surface. But where are you living? In the soil of your own self-sufficiency? Or are you living in the life of the one who lives in you? Everyone who is a gardener of vines has one of these. My father had it, and I said, Dad, could I have it? <laughs> he used to always use it when he would teach, and, uh, and now he's getting pretty old, and he's 85 years old and can't see, and only hear in one ear, bad knees, bad heart, bless him. Can I have it, Dad? It's called a girdler. And if you were growing table grapes, and my father was raised in California, they had a, a, a vine, a grapevine that uh, they loved, and they would grow table grapes to use as a family on the farm. But in the spring, as the, as the branches began to develop and, and began to grow out, you would have to do a very cruel thing <laughs> to those branches. You would have to girdle them. It's a, it's a fine knife that actually does this. It takes off a piece of bark right in the middle. Because, see, if you want table grapes, you have to force the sap to run on the inside rather than the outside. I think God girls us sometimes, doesn't he? He maybe takes away a lot of the superficial stuff, or the things on the outside, and forces the life to run in so that we might draw upon him, upon the vine himself. So he internally abides in us. But secondly, he personally abides in us. I remember my father-in-law, Ian Thomas, often saying, what happened when you received Christ? And he would make that statement in a church and he'd wait. Finally, someone would call out, my sins got forgiven. He said, no, that's a fruit. I got heaven when I die. He said, no, that's a fruit. I became a child of God. No, that's a fruit. And everyone would start talking about these various things, and then he would say, 
What happened when you received Christ? You received Christ. Do you understand how profound that is? Do not treat this gracious gift as something of minor importance and thus defeat its very purpose. You received his life. Wow. I was witnessing on the campus of the University of Pennsylvania. I was with Campus Crusade for Christ. And I remember asking a girl that I was talking to, do you have a personal relationship with Christ? And the minute I said those words, a little voice in me said, do you? I was so glad she didn't want to talk to me. I headed straight home. And I got down on my knees and I said, God, what are you trying to say to me? In the next hour, I felt as if the Holy Spirit was saying, Bonnie, for the last month, you have had a third-person relationship with me. You have talked about me to a lot of people, but you have not talked to me. I am a person in here. I want a relationship with you. He also joyfully abides in us. You feel his joy in this passage. He said, as the Father has loved me, verse 9, I have loved you. Abide in my love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full. I do not any longer call you servants. The servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for his friends, and you are my friends. You feel his joy. And this, by the way, is the night before he is going to be crucified when he says this. He is so thrilled with his men, and not only with them, but with all who would come to be a part of his life through them. He is joyfully abiding in us, and of course, Doesn't the branch in the vine and the vine in the branch, isn't there a joyful relationship here? I'll tell you what. The branch is a joy to the vine. It is through the branch that the fruit is produced. It's through the branch that the next generation is produced. It's through the branch that his glory of the vine is manifested in in the world around. The branches are there because Christ loves us. He wants to reproduce, just like parents want to reproduce. Andrew Murray says, Christ abides in us not because he has to, but because he wants to. Do you get sometimes apologetic that you are in the vine? Do you sometimes say to the Lord, I'm sorry you have to put up with me? You said anyone would co- could come and I came and... And I'm sorry, I I, I know I'm a mess. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. You spend all your Christian life feeling guilty about who you are. When he finds you to be such a joy. I remember I'd been gone on a long trip and I came home and I said to the three boys when they were quite young, I said, I think this next weekend we ought to do something fun. Just just me and you guys, because Chris was gone, my husband and... And I'll let you decide what we want to do. Well, one boy popped up and said, can we go to McDonald's? I said, sure. 
Can we go have ice cream? Said Dan. Sure. Can we go bowling? Said Luke. Sure. <laughs> so we went bowling. Bowled two games, not just one. Then we went to McDonald's. Then we went to have ice cream. And when I was bringing out my wallet for the third time to pay for the ice cream, little Luke, who was about seven years old, looked up in my face and said, Oh, Mom, you're wasting your money on us. You're wasting your money. You see, he's always the one that he would have been the banker in the family. He always kept every penny. And I said, Luke, I'm, I'm not wasting my money. Isn't this fun? Let's spend the money. That night as I crawled into bed and pulled the covers over my head, I, I complained to the Lord about myself. Do you ever complain to the Lord about yourself? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm not a very good mom. I really don't know how to be the kind of parent I ought to be. God, I'm so sorry you have to put up with me. And immediately I heard the Holy Spirit use my own words and say, Are you telling me I'm wasting my love on you? He's not wasting his love on you. The joy of the Lord in you is your strength to go on. If we would be looking at him and not looking at the world or at the fruit or whatever is in our life, if we'd be looking at him, we'd know how much joy he takes in us. And if you're a sad Christian, I'll tell you, I know why you're sad. You haven't been spending time listening to how he thinks. He joyfully abides in you. He securely abides in you. Let me ask you, does the vine hold the branch or does the branch hold the vine? Sometimes we think that it's us, the branch, that's holding on to God. And I remember that, that day, 27 years ago, having been in and out of a hospital with incredibly high fever, having to live on morphine for two months, I was in and out, in and out. And I remember that, that night that I said, God, I can't hold on anymore. I don't know what is happening, but tonight I let go and I'm an atheist. I did. I said, I'm sorry. You have put me to it through too much. I will not believe. The next morning I woke up and there was a song ringing in my ears. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. And lying in that hospital bed, Jesus said to me, Bonnie, last night you let go of me, but I did not. Let go of you. Paul says when you are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny those who are a part of himself. You are securely abiding in him and he in you. But you're also a vitally abiding in him and he vitally abides in you. What are your vital signs? I tell you, if your vital signs are bad, you're in trouble. But your vital signs are not bad. 
He is the source of everything you need for life and godliness. He is everything. He has the ability through His life in you to change those areas of your life that are rotten. Those attitudes, those difficult relationships, those bondage, those addictions, those things that are in you as the branch. He in Himself vitally abides in you. He is all you need for life and godliness. Now, I didn't always understand this. Until my boys were one, three, and four, it was the changing point of my life. And I guess we all have to come to that place where suddenly the light goes on and we understand this life that was within us. My husband was in India for five weeks and I was left with these boys. About the third week, all hell broke out. And I started yelling at God inside. I said, God, I am so tired, I can't go on. And immediately the thought, I never grow tired or weary. Lord, I don't understand, boys. Well, I do, and I am made into your wisdom. Lord, I am so tired. I, and I'm so tired, I can't go on. But, but I am not tired. and I am strong within you. You can do all things Through me, I will strengthen strengthen you. Lord, I don't want to go on, which is really impossible. But he said, but Bonnie, I can help you with that too, for I work in you to will it as well as to do it. And then he said to me, Bonnie, you and I share the same body. And if one of us is okay, we can go on, and I'm doing fine. That is the That is the moment they understood. Jesus doesn't just give me strength. He is my strength. He doesn't just give me wisdom. He is my wisdom. You see, I used to pray for things and then wait to get zapped. Wait to feel it. But he said, no, my life is in you. I myself am all you need. Vitally abiding fruitfully abiding. You know that wonderful fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all those things you need? Hmm. Is it the fruit of Bonnie Thomas? No. This is the fruit of the Spirit. The branch does not bear fruit for the vine. The vine bears fruit through the branch. So you want to be fruitful? Don't try. Just trust. Say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I have you. You are my life. Thank you. You are all I need. And I'm asking you to do it. And I'm thanking you ahead of time. Because you are my life. Betty Stamm with her husband John, martyred in China, 1939, said this, I cannot live like Jesus, example though he be, for he was strong and selfless, and I am tied to me. I cannot live like Jesus. My soul is never free. My will is strong and stubborn. My love is weak and weak. 
But I have asked my Jesus to live his life in me. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, I want to thank you that you did not leave us in this life to try to be like you, but that you came not only to teach us, but to make us what you teach us we should be. Thank you for your life surging within us right now. Forgive us for treating you of minor importance and thus defeating the very purpose for which you have come. Lord Jesus, thank you for your life. For your life today in me. Personally, you are there. Joyfully, you are there. Securely, you are there. Vitally, you are there. Fruitfully, you are there for me. I want to abide in your abiding. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.